The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Well, this past week, I had a very human experience. It's one that many of you have experienced also, and it's that balance between conflict and challenge, you know, where you have a mixture of sorrow and joy and maybe sometimes death and birth. As it turned out, in our case, um, we got the word uh, last week that one of our great friends and co-workers in our comms ministry, Pastor Miguel, and his wife Diane, had a new baby boy. So that was the good news. But the very same day, we got the news that uh, from my brother-in-law, Richard, that his uh, 24-year-old boy had died very unexpectedly. So in one day, we had both the birth and death. And in many ways, that's exactly what's happened in this book of Ruth that we just uh, read a little bit about. We hear a story of death and birth. And also we see in this story uh, a story of being disconnected from the nation and being reconnected to the people of God. During the period of the Judges, which is a time we've been reading about in the story, the book that many of us are reading this year, as we go through the story of God's salvation story through the the Old and New Testament, uh, we've heard a story about the people of Israel leaving the true faith and how they had gone astray. And yet, we also see in the middle of that difficult time the story of Ruth, which is an amazing story of recovery and renewal of God reaching into the nation and pulling them back again. And so in order to see the real meaning of this story of Ruth, it's good to see it on two levels. First of all, on the more human level, on the individual level. And there we see it as a commitment, uh, a story of commitment, as we see Ruth committing herself to her mother-in-law, a story of compassion and care. And then we also see the piety and the care of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer who comes to the rescue of Ruth and Naomi when they go back to Israel. Here's a person who takes seriously his responsibilities. And so on this level, the story illustrates God's continuing story of salvation as he reaches back into the lives of his people, not just the Jewish people, but all people everywhere. God is interested in reaching not just his people who were his called and special folks, but also through the Jews to reach out to all the nations. So the clear message in the book of Ruth is that God has not given up on his people, even though they had forsaken him. He rescues them, and then he wants to use them to reach all the nations. Now, it's helpful in this book of Ruth also to see the progression of the story. It's an amazing story, really, a book that could be considered a a wonderful piece of literature, but it's also a message that's very important for us spiritually. In the book, we read a story about Elimelech. How would you like to have a kid with that name, Elimelech? Anyway, he was, as the Jewish tradition shares, one of the wealthiest people in Israel. And at the time of a famine, he decided to leave with his family, with Naomi, and go to another country, to Moab. Now, it's interesting that he didn't leave Israel because 
he had lost all of his money and he needed to go somewhere else to make a living. As it turns out, he wanted to, have, he wanted to avoid having to take care of his extended family because there were many people in his family who were going to be at risk during the famine. And he was concerned that he would be obligated to take care of them. And so he leaves and goes away. And there in Moab, just as in Israel, he was uh, prospered and he became wealthy again. But the story starts up in Ruth that he has died. And he died leaving his wife and uh, his two sons to fend for themselves. Now a little bit later, the two sons marry, and they married Moabite women. Now interestingly, Jewish tradition says also that these Moabite women were princesses of the Moabite king. So they were royalty, probably because uh, of the fact that Elimelech himself was very wealthy and considered an important person. So they were connected in that way. And so now it's important to know that the Moabites were actually descendants of Lot, who was a relative of Abraham. You remember that story of Abraham when he and his nephew Lot left Mesopotamia in Ur of the Chaldees and went down to Israel? And uh, it was at that time that uh, Lot and Abraham as they became more and more prosperous, decided to separate in order to not have conflicts among their herdsmen. Later on, the Israelites ended up in slavery in in Egypt. And uh, as they came out of slavery and went back to the Promised Land, they had to pass through the land of the Moabites, those uh, same people who were uh, their, their relatives. But the Moabites, instead of inviting them to come through and being good Uh, host to them actually rejected them and said that they couldn't go through their land. And so that made a tremendous break between the two nations of Israel and and the Moabites. And so uh, the, the, the Israelites would not let Moabites worship with them as one of the uh, uh, issues that they faced. Now fast forwarding a little bit, 10 years later, after the death of her husband, Naomi's two sons also die. So this is a story of death, as I said. Now, Naomi found herself in a foreign land without the covering of her husband, which in that culture was a really important thing. And she ends up feeling very desolate and very discouraged. She had no status any longer, and she had no way to stay alive. And so she decides to go back uh, to her home in Israel. And she describes herself as bitter and and, and empty. She actually takes on the name Mara, which which means bitter, because she feels that God has abandoned her and left her in her difficulty. And so she goes back to her hometown to Bethlehem. Interestingly enough, the, the name Bethlehem means house of bread going back to Bethlehem to look for bread, to stay alive. And she thinks that God is against her because all of these things have happened to her, and she's in such a terrible situation. And so at this point, she tells her daughters-in-law to stay back in their own country and to look for new husbands because she has nothing to offer them. She's completely empty, as she says. Now, her one daughter-in-law, Orpha, 
listens to her mother-in-law and stays behind, whereas Ruth begs her mother-in-law, Naomi, to stay with her. And she keeps on insisting to the point that Naomi says, sure, you can go along. And so the two of them depart and go on to Israel. And now we come to the really interesting part that uh, we should have read earlier, but somehow it dropped off in our reading. And that's that beautiful passage that many of you have heard and probably in many sermons of uh, weddings, maybe even your own wedding, you, you heard that message where Ruth says that where you will go, I will go. Your God will become my God and where you die, I will die. An amazing promise and commitment that she wants to live with her mother-in-law, Naomi. In any case, Naomi and her daughter-in-law go back to Bethlehem, and you can imagine that there was quite an interesting reaction because Elimelech had left his people in their time of need. It's very likely that the women were gossiping and saying things like, well, here she is, this wealthy woman who went away, and now look at her. She's all desolate with nothing, and she doesn't even have a husband and no sons. And so she was considered, in that case, a very destitute person. And uh, probably they even went on and said, and look, she even has a pagan daughter-in-law. What, what do you think about that? But God, in his mercy, intervened in Naomi's life. To feed both she and her mother-in-law, Ruth offers to do something amazing. She decides to go into the fields to uh, glean and pick up the uh, grain that's being left behind. This was the time of the barley harvest. And so what's interesting about this is we have a Moabite princess who's ready to go out and do servant work. It would be like... Princess Kate going out to mop the floors or something like that. And yet she was concerned enough about her mother-in-law that she wanted to do the right thing. She wanted to care for her mother-in-law and provide the food that they needed. Now God intervenes another way in the lives of Ruth and Naomi because he leads Ruth right away to the field that belonged to their near relative, to Boaz. Now, Boaz, according to Jewish teaching, was also a wealthy person, probably the most wealthy individual in Israel at that time. The, the Jewish tradition also says that Boaz was a judge, like many of the judges we've read about in these readings in the book uh, that we've been reading called The Story. So he was a person who had not only been uh, wealthy and taken care of, but he was also able then to take care of the spiritual lives of his people. And he was very faithful in that. He actually did what he said. He followed the rules of taking care of other people. For example, in this case, uh, when he sees the situation, he tells his, his workers to provide even more food for Ruth, to make it so that she doesn't have to work so hard, to leave behind more of the grain. And so in that way, he protects Ruth and, and Naomi and allows them to have the food they need. In this way, Boaz was demonstrating his care for the needy, which is what, what people were supposed to do. And that was also very much in contrast to Elimelech, who had gone away years before, forgetting his responsibilities. 
Now, Boaz became what was called a kinsman redeemer because um, he entered into a special relationship. And this is a very interesting part of the story. It turns out that uh, when uh, the barley harvest was coming to an end, um, Ruth and, and Naomi were concerned about what was going to happen next. How would they be taken care of? Where would they get food? And so Naomi hatches a very interesting plot. She, she sends her daughter-in-law, Ruth, uh, to the threshing floor where they were having a big party at the last part of the, of the, uh, of the uh, harvest. And she knew that each of the people who had a field were, were going to spend the night there. So she had her lie down at the feet of Boaz. Now, this was a very provocative kind of thing to do, especially for a very noble person uh, like uh, uh, Boaz in this story. Boaz had, had, according to Jewish tradition, just buried his wife. So it made it even more provocative that someone was lying at his feet. It was almost as if they were saying, I'm available to you. But what it was really saying is, I'm the person that you should be taking as your wife to carry on the name of the husband that she had lost and the name of Elimelech that would be lost forever. And so Boaz does what he was called to do in that culture and what the word of God said he should do. He, he agreed to take her as his wife and she becomes then uh, a part of the family of Israel. She who had been a Moabite and a foreigner now becomes part of God's people. Now, later on, uh, Boaz and Ruth have a child. Now, it's interesting that their child's name was Obed, and that person became the father of, of uh, Jesse, who in turn became the father of David, the same who was the king of Israel. And so it was interesting that a Moabite uh, princess becomes royalty Again, as she prepares or becomes like a part of the dynasty of the, of the kingdom of, 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 of Israel. And in a sense, she also becomes part of the genealogy of Jesus. Because Jesus, of course, is the, the son of David, as he's called in the New Testament. And he becomes the savior of the world. So in a way, she becomes uh, not only... Uh, royalty and continues to be royalty, but she is part of that genealogy. It's very interesting in the book of Matthew, when you look at the list of all of the people who preceded Jesus, that there are three Gentile women who are mentioned in that scripture. One of them is Tamar, and one of them is, uh, of course, Ruth, and then uh, the uh, prostitute Rahab. Very interestingly, too, you read also in the book of Matthew that Boaz uh, is the son of Rahab. If you're following this, this is quite interesting because it shows that Boaz not only had a Gentile mother, but he has a Gentile wife now. And in that way, we can see that Jesus is born of a very interesting lineage that has foreigners among it. And in fact, some people who are not necessarily considered, uh, you know, uh, 
people in the culture who would be considered special. When you have uh, Rahab, who was a prostitute, being part of that genealogy. So what is God trying to say with this? He's trying to say that he has come to save not just the Jews, but people everywhere, and that he wants to include all people in the people of God. And so it was that Noemi, uh, uh, who had been empty and bitter because of all the losses that she had faced, and uh, by the way, her name means pleasant, now she becomes pleasant again and full, full of God's grace and mercy. And Ruth, who was a foreigner in Israel, separated spiritually from the people of Israel, now becomes part of the nation. She is accepted into that people of God. And she has a new identity, following a new God, and following the true God. Now let's put ourselves into the story. We've heard the story itself. I've kind of recaptured the, the whole book of Ruth in those uh, past words. Now I'd just like to ask you to think about who would you compare yourself to or who would you relate to in that story? If you had to pick one of the characters, especially the main ones, which ones would, would you choose? Would you choose to be Naomi or Boaz or Ruth? Actually, it's probably important to see ourselves in each of these characters because each of them teaches us a, a special lesson, something important to know and something that we should consider. So as you live your, your Christian life, you may face some of the same hardships that Naomi faced. Have you had to go through difficulties and losses? Hopefully none of you have had to go through as many losses as Naomi did, losing a husband, losing her country, losing her sons, and her status. All of those things that left her really totally destitute. And yet we know that in her case, God came to her rescue just as he does to us. We can't necessarily count on our wealth or our status remaining throughout our lives. Sometimes there are setbacks, and that's what happened in the case of Naomi. She who was uh, pleasant became bitter, but thankfully God in his mercy helped her to become a pleasant person again as she realized his, his uh, intervention in her life. She was restored by God, and it was interesting that she was restored in three ways. She was restored, first of all, physically. When she went back to Israel, she was restored physically as God provided food in the form of barley from, from the grain that was gathered by Ruth in, in those early days. And then later when she became uh, part of the family of uh, Boaz. And she was restored emotionally. She had that special relationship with her daughter-in-law, which of course is an amazing thing to think about, even though she could have stayed back in her home country with the customs that she had grown up with. But she chooses to go with, with Ruth in order to be part of that special nation and to follow uh, her God, as she said. And then she even got to be a grandmother, which is a great emotional uh, thing for her to have that possibility. And then we see that she also was fulfilled and filled up spiritually. As she um, goes back among the people of, of, uh, of God, Naomi, 
now becomes connected again to the people that she had separated herself from, and she becomes part of the people of God. And she not only became part of, of Israel again, but she becomes part of the genealogy as she's connected to Ruth and Boaz, who had a child and those chi- that child in turn had another child and so forth until we have King David and finally Jesus, the son of David. Naomi is also an amazing example of transformation, probably one of the most significant ones in the Bible because she goes from total desolation to being filled, an empty person who is filled up by God in every way, restored to even more than she had before. Can you see yourself going through such a transformation? Maybe you've gone through some loss in your life, some challenges with health, or some difficulty in your family, or some conflict, and God has worked out all of the issues and helped you to come to a renewed place where he wants you to be. Or perhaps you can now uh, associate yourself with Boaz. Boaz experiences challenges in his life also. In the story, we find out that he lost his, his own wife, but as he had just buried his wife, he didn't focus on himself. He still looked at his responsibilities as a, as a spiritual person and reached out to his needy relatives who were looking for help. He was a leader who was faithful to God, the kind of leader that we, that we need today. He led his own people back from unfaithfulness and idolatry into a renewed relationship with the true God. In other words, he practiced what he preached. He took care of widows and others in their time of need. Today in our own country, we see a lot of needs around us, and right here in our own community, we're trying to do something about that with the idea of a, of a new home for unwed mothers, a great idea uh, to help care for children of, of young women who, who have uh, unwanted pregnancies. We also have a challenge in our country with immigrants who are coming in increasing numbers from poor countries like Central America. I know from my own work in in, uh, Central America that many of of, uh, the people who live in Guatemala, for example, are are fleeing from serious serious issues. Uh, For example, did you know that about 45% uh, of the people who... uh, work and live in uh, Guatemala are unemployed. Now that's an amazing number. We would have probably an outright riot in our country if we had such a high percentage of unemployment. That's why so many people are coming here looking for a way to stay alive. I think it was about two years ago I, I was in the third grade class of our Lutheran school in Zacapa, Guatemala and I had the idea to ask the children how many of them had parents in the U.S.? And I was shocked to see that two-thirds of the children raised their hand and said that they had a parent in the U.S. That's an amazing thing to think about, isn't it? But what really amazed me was later when I asked the teacher to verify that, she said, it's really true. And she said, what's really hard for me is that I have to be not only a teacher but also a mother to many of these children. Now, there are, of course, many issues related to the legality of people coming here, but the story of Boaz taking care of his relatives who came back from poverty 
is God's message to us, too, to say that we should be taking care of those in need around us, including those who've come uh, for economic reasons to find a way to stay alive. In our time in history, where so many people are forgetting to follow God and are following uh, very secular ideas, we need leaders, both spiritual and political leaders, who will speak up for, for God and his principles. We need, we need leaders who will speak up for the unborn and the mentally ill and families that are at risk because of economic challenges. Maybe you can also see yourself in the character of Ruth. Despite her status as a princess in Moab, she saw her role as a daughter-in-law to Naomi as even more important. She put her relationships with other people on a higher level than her status in society, and God honored her for that. She was even willing to be a refugee and a stranger in a new land in order to be faithful in her relationship with her mother-in-law. Ruth is an amazing example of a person who left a very pagan life in order to become part of the family of God and to follow the true God. You know, as I was preparing this message, I thought, I have known people like that myself. I've had the privilege of meeting people who left a life of uh, spiritual desolation, who didn't really know God, and who've come to know him. A few years ago, I was a board member of the People of the Book Lutheran Outreach. It's a very interesting ministry in that it was started by two men who left Pakistan and went to Saudi Arabia to be businessmen in the oil industry. And while, we, while they were there, uh, they were invited by a man to come to his home for uh, a Bible study. Now, in Saudi Arabia, you're not allowed to have outright church services like we're having today, so people have their services in their homes, and they have to invite people discreetly to come to their house for an outing or a gathering, and then they have worship. And this was the setting in which they were. Through the months that they heard God's word, these two men and their families came to know Jesus and decided that they would follow Christ as well. Interestingly, uh, it was a Lutheran man who was leading those services and Bible studies in his home. He was in the oil industry and was from Texas. So fast-forwarding a little bit, these two men... Uh, decided to move to America, and they ended up becoming Lutheran pastors. And eventually, the Kahn brothers became the leaders of people of the book Lutheran Outreach. And I was on that board for a number of years. It was an amazing ministry because what was happening is because they knew that the, the emptiness that many Muslims feel, and they knew that because Muslims have no f real hope in not knowing what their future will be, if you ask a Muslim, do they think they will be taken care of after they die, they have no idea. It's whatever God decides. So they have no sure hope of the resurrection that we all uh, can, can feel confident in. And so it was in this situation that uh, they decided to, sh to share the gospel and to start churches among Muslim people. And today we have dozens of churches in America that are made up primarily of, of Muslim people who have come in to the Christian faith. Now, that's a story you don't hear a lot about. 
but it's a story that we should remember. And it reminds us that God still wants to reach out to those who are different from us. And the story of Ruth is a, is a story that reminds us of that fact, that God wants us to uh, include not only uh, the people who are already Christians in our, in our communities, but to invite others to join us and to be part of the people of faith. And so as we look at the story of Ruth, we see in the end that Ruth, the Moabite princess, gained a lot more than she lost by leaving her people and moving to a new country. The princess became part of the royal family as she became the ancestor of King David. And interestingly, in the book of, of Ruth, which is, uh, is read by the Jews on the anniversary of, uh, of King David's birthday and of his death, I got to thinking that maybe that would be a good thing for us to consider doing ourselves. That when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the son of David, maybe we should consider reading this book of Ruth. And when we celebrate his death on Good Friday, perhaps it would be a good idea to read the book of Ruth because it's a way to remind ourselves that in Christ, God has made us who were his enemies because of our sin into his friends and has invited us to become his royal priesthood people who will live for him and who will serve him as his missionaries in the world today. And because we are fellow Christians, we can say to each other and to all the saints around us, where you will go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your God is my God, and I will follow that God. Because of our faith in Christ, we pray that others around us who are not yet believers might see us as people who care for others, who have a concern for the needy and those who are in trouble. And by faith in Christ, may we be transformed like Naomi was into a people who are no longer bitter, but people who are pleasant to be around, people who are full of God's spirit, so full that it's overflowing, and so that others will say, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. And I will worship your God. That's how we can be the missionaries that God has called us to be. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.